0: welcome back everyone this is the support ops podcast it's a show devoted entirely to bringing some humanity back into the world of customer support check out the blog at supportops.co or follow along on twitter it's at supportops. there i'm your host chase clemens and this is episode number 20 with john lane He's uh, part of the fantastic support team over at Harvest. I'm really excited to have him on. We've been talking about it for a while now. It, finally, the stars aligned, everything worked. So, John, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks. Thanks for having me on, Chase. Really looking yeah. forward to talking with you.
0: Awesome. So, uh, yeah, easy question to start with. How's your day going?
1: Uh, today's good. Um, yeah, sunny weather out here on the West Coast, so can't really complain. Um, and it's been a, a good day at work.
0: Awesome. So give, uh, give our listeners just a little bit of background on yourself, kind of just to set the stage so everyone knows who you are and where you're coming from.
1: Sure. Um, well, I'm, I'm an ever-evolving person. Uh, so um, <laughs> I'm part of the support team over at Harvest, as Chase mentioned. Um, I've been there for about two years, so I started in 2011. And uh, my background before that was largely technical. Uh, I worked as a freelancer for a while doing web development and that kind of stuff um and then uh kind of noticed a job opening at harvest had been using the tool myself and so threw my hat into the ring to apply for that um and the rest is history i guess on that front uh that's, yeah
0: yeah that's awesome it's it's one of those where you you literally just kind of you know you were using harvest a little bit before but that was kind of the big prompt right you were just using it saw the opening and was like hey let's do this
1: yeah, we joke a lot that um, a lot of the people we hire and end up are, are is from our customer pool, uh, which makes <laughs> sense because I mean, you know, your customers are the people that know the product and that you know either like or dislike the product and that kind of thing. Uh, but of course, that isn't necessarily the best move for business uh, hiring your customers. <laughs> but uh, it, it's I guess worked out I, all right so far.
0: <laughs> that that is kind of a flip from you paying them to the you to them paying you. I guess. Yeah, yeah for sure. So I I heard um, that you live on an island, right? So I'm guessing you're a remote worker?
1: I am, definitely, yeah. Uh, Harvest is based out of New York, and uh, the island I'm referring to is not Manhattan in this case. (laughs) Um, I'm actually out on the west coast, so I'm the furthest west of uh, all Harvest employees, actually. I, I never really thought about that. Um, yeah, we, we've we got a distributed team. And so um, most folks are kind of scattered across North America. We've got uh, a couple of new hires that are over in Europe as well.
0: So how's it working out so far with everybody kind of being remote? And I, I guess from support, that kind of works out because you've got people in Europe and then you covering the West Coast. So... You you capture a lot of time zones and a lot of uh, open support hours, for lack of a better word, right?
1: Uh, yeah, actually, our two new hires are are part of the development team, so they're not actually in support. Uh, okay. Um, but um, yeah, it, it does work out really well. I mean, uh, even between Eastern time zone and Pacific time zone, we end up with you know a pretty pretty good window, about a twelve hour window, where we're providing live support for folks um, as stuff comes in. Mm-hmm. And so it, it works out really well. Uh, Harvest has always had a distributed team. We've always had um, folks that worked remotely, right from like higher number one or higher number two, wasn't wasn't local to New York. And so uh, the whole company's kind of grown up around that. It's sort of been built around people that don't work locally in the office. And so we've got a really good kind of structure in place to accommodate that.
0: So let's get a, an idea of the size that we're talking about here. How, how big is your support team? How many customers are you talking to on average? That kind of thing.
1: Sure. Uh, the support team, I- including myself, um, and there's a small little tweak to that, is uh, um, there's there's five of us in total. I'm actually sort of doing a part support, part quality assurance role now at Harvest, mm-hmm. uh, which is a really recent thing. Uh, it's just been going on for a couple of weeks now. Um, So I guess you could say four and a half people maybe in support. Uh, And and, then we've also got a a dedicated community manager who um, makes us look good on on the social networks and that kind of stuff.
0: And so with your your four and a half, I'll give you five. (laughs) QA is support. Uh, I'll give you five. Um, So with that, how many customers are are you dealing with every day?
1: Uh, On a daily basis, we deal with... Probably just over a hundred tickets, uh, and then we also offer phone support. So um, on a busy day, we'll have you know probably forty phone calls, something on those lines. Um, on, on an insane day, like if there's sort of systems troubles or something like that, that number could spike. But uh, on sort of an average busy day, it's about forty phone calls, um, and uh, yeah, but just over a hundred tickets, thereabouts.
0: That's kind of cool. That's you're actually one of the, the few people we've had on the show that does live phone support. Um, so I want to peek your brain on that one for just sure. a second. Um, so I'm a customer. I call into the number. Uh, do I get routed to a specific person? Is it just a phone that everybody tries to grab, or, or how's that kind of work?
1: Sure. The way our phone system set up is um, we've got a one eight hundred number that people can call into. Uh, when they call that number, it um, the way we work in support is we we use uh, what we call anchor shifts, uh, and so at any given time there's somebody anchoring, uh, and think in terms of news anchor on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that anchor person is is on phones. They're also responsible for kind of triaging tickets, assigning things out to who the best person is to answer that, uh, or answering it themselves if things are you know nice and quiet, um, and so whoever the anchor person is and and we schedule this throughout the day. So everyone's got about a two hour anchor shift, um, that they cover. And, uh, whoever's on anchor, the phone rings for them first. If They're already on a call. It just backup rings to any of the other support agents that are online at that time. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's where our phone system set up really.
0: That's kind of cool. That's that's pretty awesome. I've never heard the idea of an anchor person like that before. Um, so is that something that's always been in place at, at Harvest, or is it kind of relatively new?
1: Uh, we implemented it when we hit about three support employees. So mm-hmm. um, Christopher, my, one of my coworkers, was employee, support employee number one. Uh, and when he was doing things on his own, he was pretty much anchoring the whole time himself. Mm-hmm. Um, then I came on, and because there was just the two of us, um, we didn't really need any sort of formal structure. He is on the East Coast. I'm on the West Coast. It pretty much worked out that we had you know, a few hours of overlap in the middle of the day, but we just sort of um, worked through things with that. Uh, when we hired the third person, Scott, um, he <laughs> he threw a wrench in the works. No, Scott, uh, you know, we just had to, we had to come up with some, a better way of kind of organizing the workflow and figuring out who would be doing what at, at any given time. And so that's where the idea came from.
0: So it's Scott's fault.
1: Yeah, it's Scott's
0: fault. So it's Scott mm. Scott. <laughs> I can say that. I've talked to him a couple of times before, so it's okay. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> so I, I first kind of, you know, I, I've heard about Harvest before because you've got a great integration with Basecamp and 37signals and, and has always, you know, there's been a good relationship there. Um, yeah, sure. But then you started with the User conf talk in New York, which kind of caught my eye because you're talking about the different caught my ear I don't know caught my eye? I don't know which which <laughs> phrase works there but you know what I sure. mean um, you, you talked about different apps and, and tools that you're using every day so can you kind of share a couple of your favorite ones that you'd recommend anyone in support would would start using And you know kind of the ones that you would definitely say no matter who you are what company you work for if you're in support you need this app
1: you bet. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a little variation to the way things work. We use we use Zendesk for our ticketing, so it's got a, an API, but pretty much I think all the major ones like Desk has an API and mm-hmm. a lot of the other platforms out there have APIs that you can tie into. And so uh, what my user comp talk was about was actually um, how to reduce your response times, how do you get faster at responding to customers. Uh, and part of that was the tools that we used to do that. Um, And so one of the key tools that we use is uh, this little utility on the Mac called Geek Desk, uh, or Geek Tool, my apologies. Uh, And Geek Tool will actually display information right on your desktop. So you can have it uh, run a little script on your machine, and it'll display the output of that right on your desktop and show you numbers or information. So for me, the way I use that is um, I've got a tie-in with the Zendesk API. And uh, this little script just pulls the API to see how many open tickets, how many pending tickets, how many uh, new tickets are sitting there. Um, and it displays that right on my desktop. So I, I always have this awareness of you know, how things are going and whether I need to be you know, focusing more on tickets right now or whether things are slow and I can focus on other things uh, without having to you know, refresh Zendesk or you know, click back and forth in Zendesk. Um, and so that one's really key in kind of saving me a bunch of clicks. Um, another tool I use a lot of is, again, it's a Mac utility, uh, it's called Alfred. And Alfred is basically uh, just a keyboard launcher. So you can, you can set up a, a keyboard combination and it'll let you launch applications and do all kinds of different things with your machine just from your keyboard. Uh, and the way I use this in support is I've got um, some web searches built in there. And so I've got a web search built right into our knowledge base. Uh, I can key in a a key combination. In in my case, I've set it up as H help, so harvest help. And then I just type in the search term that I'm looking for, and it automatically launches a browser, takes me right to the relevant search results. And so if I'm looking for an answer for something, I don't have to be fumbling around looking for that answer. I I can just find it and get back to the customer as quickly as possible.
0: That is absolutely awesome. I never thought about using Alfred for that.
1: Yeah, it works out great. I kind of had a bit of a, you know, epiphany one day and I thought, huh, how can I cut this down instead of having to, you know, launch the web browser, go to the help section, key in the search phrase, submit the search. I can just use keyboard combination, type in a couple words,
0: hit enter, boom, done see you solved a problem I didn't even know I had until today that is fantastic (laughs) because I always thought you know whenever we look through like our our help documentation that kind of thing it's always kind of like you mentioned you go to the site you pull up the search bar and then you type your term and then you look for it and everything else if you're really lucky um, one of the things that I really love about Chrome is you can just kind of start typing certain keywords and it'll bring up that that previous URLs but if you've wiped your browser recently, that doesn't work. Yeah, using yeah. Alfred, I love that. That's a great idea.
1: Yeah, it works great. Um, yeah, and I, I mean I've got other searches set up, so we've got a, a bugs database, things like that. So if I, you know, hear about a bug and it kind of tweaks a little memory for me, I'll usually search in the bugs database first to see if that's a known issue or not, uh, and that kind of thing. And it's just it's really versatile in that regard.
0: That's awesome. That's yeah. see, there's your tip for the day, folks. <laughs> the, the big one that you need to take away right there. Um, we can all go home. No, I'm just, I'm just messing. Um, so the, one of the things that we were talking about, you know, when you and I first started talking uh, via email uh, a couple of months ago, Harvest was actually hit pretty bad when, when Hurricane Sandy struck. Um, so can you kind of talk about what that was like for the team? How how did you keep things going through all of this? Because your data center's is right there in New York, too, right?
1: Uh it was.
0: It was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <we've>,
1: uh, <laughs> we're actually we're neighbors with 37 Signals now, so we're hosted just outside Yay. Chicago with you guys. Yeah. No uh, hurricanes our way. No, no. So, well, actually, I guess I should I should clarify that because we do still have um, the data center in New York. It's our it's our backup data center now. So we've got nice. redundancy between two different data centers, uh, just in case you know something happens, we can uh, keep Harvest up and running for our customers. Um, but to get back to Hurricane Sandy, yeah, it was really scary. I mean, it was um, sort of right around Halloween, if I, if I remember right, in time frame. And, uh, you know, the weather report says that this hurricane is going to hit New York. And you think that's the type of thing that only hits in, in Hollywood. Um, not hurricanes, but, you know, that, that type of mm-hmm. idea is the only thing that would come out in Hollywood. Um, and so uh, probably about a third of our company is actually based in New York. Uh, and as well, at the time, um, our, all of our servers were located in uh, a data center in Manhattan. Um, and so, you know, what can you do to prepare for a hurricane, really? Well, um, we did everything that we could. We put in some uh, communication plans ahead of time. So. Um, I was actually, because I'm, <laughs> I was located the furthest away from the hurricane, uh, I was kind of the contact person. So we set up a schedule where everybody would check in with me either over phone or text message or if they could, you know, email, that kind of thing on a regular basis just so that we knew everybody was okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we knew the status of everybody as well, whether they, you know, were uh, without power, without internet, that kind of thing. Um, and so, you know, just from a company perspective, that was, that was big because we always knew, you know, how everyone was doing. Um, and that was great. Uh, in terms of the actual technical side of things, we just, I mean, we prepared for the worst. We knew that, um, a hurricane was coming, uh, we didn't know whether that was going to take harvest offline, uh, whether there were going to be internet issues, whether there were going to be power issues. We didn't know what was going to happen, um, and at the time. Uh, We didn't have a completely redundant data center set up, Um, although our ops team kind of frantically got to work and and built us a redundant data center uh, in the days leading right up to Sandy, um, just in case, just in case we needed to flip the switch over um, and and keep that running. Um, And, you know... It was probably good to prepare for the worst. I wouldn't say the absolute worst happened. I mean, there was no permanent data loss or anything like that, but our data center did go offline for for a while. We were down for a few hours uh, throughout sandy. Um, and certainly a lot of sleepless nights. a lot of our developers and a lot of our uh, ops staff were up for a large stretch of time, um, you know, sort of manually monitoring things and making sure that things were, okay and and you know at one point we were ready to pull the switch and and move over to that backup that we had set up um luckily we didn't have to luckily at the last minute things came back Uh, and so that was good um and then yeah i guess you know the distributed team comes back into play here uh the fact that only one of our support people is actually physically located in new york currently uh the other support folks um well at the time there was just the three of us so there was uh scott who's located in canmore alberta um, very far away from hurricane country. In fact, the only thing that he really gets is blizzards in the winter. Um, (laughs) and then there was myself out here on the West coast and (laughs) funny story was there was actually an earthquake right around the time hurricane Sandy hit. And so there was a tsunami warning in effect, no tsunami actually hit, but, um, yeah, yeah, that was kind of a, an added stress. (laughs) I was keeping an eye on, on that. So, yeah.
0: First, props to your ops team for getting a a second data center almost, you know, basically ready to go in in a couple of days. That's phenomenal. Yeah. That's absolutely phenomenal. Exceptional. Yeah. yeah. So kind of looking back on the the whole thing, is there anything that y'all would have done differently? Is there any kind of words of advice you would have for people um, that are, are, you know, maybe they're in New York and in that kind of situation, or they're looking at other kind of, you know, these natural disasters. What What's your best advice for, for people like that that need to have a plan?
1: Sure, yeah. Um, plan ahead. I mean, it's always better to be laying out plans um, when it's not a crisis. So uh, get things like a communication plan in place. You know, who's going to be the contact? Uh, what kind of contact? Like what kind of check-ins? What sort of schedule are you going to run with that? Um, and plan as much of that, of that out as you can ahead of time. Um, I mean, redundant data centers it's expensive and so if you're a small company and you're just getting started i can understand the hesitation on that um but you know if if you can make that work do it um and try and keep them geographically separate um hire remotely (laughs) 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 i seem to be kind of like you know saying this a lot but you are definitely the remote champion yeah i mean well Living where I do, uh, I have no chance of a job in technology if, if there were no remote workers in this world. Like uh, Living on this island, there is no high-tech on, on this island. Uh, I have a cable modem, and that's about as high-tech as it gets. Uh, so um, that's for sure. Uh, and I had another point, and it's just floated right out of my head. It's gone. Um, yeah. We may have to let that one go. <laughs>
0: It's all right. It's all right. <laughs> yeah, I think, like you mentioned, the the plan is the big thing. Don't get caught flat-footed because that's kind of the worst time to be making a plan, trying to figure out what to do. Was you know, while there's this hurricane bearing down on you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So,
0: all right, cool. Uh, last, last question because I know you got stuff uh, to do. Um, tell me about the best customer service, the best customer support you got. And I tell everyone that the catch on this one is that it's you as the customer, so you're receiving this cu- this outstanding customer service. You bet.
1: <laughs> it's so easy to talk about the best customer service you've ever provided, isn't it? <laughs>
0: yeah, it's 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 too easy. I tried that and I realized, nah, let's let's flip that. Yeah.
1: The best customer support I always get is um, anytime I'm, I'm shopping locally, really. Uh, anytime I shop at any of the small stores that are around the island or, you know, at some of the cities close by. Um, and it's I, I found that, you know, that is really sort of the example that I strive for. Um, Harvest can be a big company, but we want to try and make it feel like a small company to every customer in that, you know, each of those people matters to us. Each of those customers is a paying customer, or you know, maybe they're one of our free customers. But at the same time, everyone's equal, uh, and you know, we want we want to treat them like they're special. We want them to feel like um, their problem is the most important problem that we're dealing with at that time. Uh, and so, for a specific example, um, I've uh, I've had a love hate relationship with my current coffee grinder. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, it broke down on me. Uh, after I'd had it for two weeks, turns out it was a de- design flaw, um, and so um, what I did was I, uh, I contacted the company that made it. I'll, I'll leave company names out of this, just you know, to protect the guilty. Yeah, uh, contacted sure. the company that made it, <laughs> and they told me to, re- to return it to the store where I bought it and, and exchange it. So I. Um, being living on a small island can be a complicated thing sometimes. I usually have to catch a boat in order to accomplish certain things uh, and so the next time I was headed over to town, I caught a boat, went over to town, returned the coffee grinder, or tried to return the coffee grinder, and the store told me that well, no, this company only accepts direct returns. they don't work through the retailers they they need you to mail it in. So I got back home still with the coffee grinder in hand, called up the company again, said, "You know what's going on here?" um and the rep was extremely apologetic um but said that you know for this particular item because it's below a certain dollar amount i am supposed to deal directly with the store um so that rep sent me an email um you know with their contact information direct contact information that kind of thing which i could print out and then take into the store uh and and i did that and um the store you know happily exchanged the coffee grinder on the spot um was again sorry for the the runaround, um, and yeah, I mean it. It just turned out to be a positive experience. There was a bit of a runaround, but you know that happens occasionally. And as long as, as you're patient and they're patient with you, then, it all works.
0: That's awesome. That's absolutely awesome. Yeah. Also, it's yeah. awesome that you take a boat to get to town. Just yeah. saying. Well, it's sort of awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that could be inconvenient at certain times. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The boats stop running past a certain point. So, you know, going to catch dinner in a movie doesn't exactly work out.
0: Oh, all that often. man. If, if you're like the movie runs late or dinner runs late and there the boat goes and you're just, ah, oh, that would be yeah. rough. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's got its challenges. <laughs> <laughs> well, John, it's been absolutely fantastic talking to you. Thanks for uh, being on the show.
1: You too, Chase. It was my pleasure.
0: That means episode 20 is in the books. You can reach out to John on Twitter where he's at John underscore C underscore Lane. He's also on the web at flyingtroll.com, which is a great name for a website. Absolutely love it. Show notes are up at supportops.co forward slash podcast. And if you like the podcast, rate us on iTunes. All you have to do is search for support ops podcast up there in the search bar. Thanks again for listening. I'm Chase. And until we talk again, have an awesome week.